Exodus chapter 1. And uh, that's an easy target for you to find. Uh, Also in the New Testament, I'd like to ask you to uh, find the book of Hebrews. Okay? Book of Hebrews. And I'd like to speak to you today upon the, on the topic of an answer to a mother's prayer. You know, mothers have to do a lot of praying in life. You know that? Uh, they start out as young, young kids and with a dream. And uh, as uh, the years roll on, more burdens come. More heartbreaks come. And... Uh, They draw closer and closer to the Lord. That's the natural order of things. It really is. Uh, Mothers carry a big big load. In Exodus chapter 1, verse number 8, the Bible says, And there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Uh, You remember the story of Joseph who had the coat of many colors? Uh, He went down into Egypt and he was exalted by God and he eventually began to rule the land and uh, he saved his people. But then he died and uh, a new administration took over in Egypt and they didn't know Joseph or his God. And uh, they saw the nation of Israel began to grow and they were afraid. Uh, They were growing and growing and multiplying and multiplying. And so they decided to try to stamp them out, at least slow them down in verse number 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew and they were in dread of the children of Israel. And so they came up with a plan, Pharaoh that is. And his plan was to kill the baby boys that were being born in the homes of the Israelites And so he called in the midwives, the ladies who went to help with the birth. And he gave them an order. They said, listen, when you go to these birth situations in Israel, I want you to take the life of the boys. Leave the the girls alone. Take the lives of the boys. But in verse number 17, the midwives feared God. That's a good thing. Uh, I'm sure that the reason why our country is so messed up today is because there's little fear of God in the eyes of the people of our country. Uh, They don't understand who God is, and therefore they don't understand why they should even have any respect or fear for God. But back in this day, the people feared God. The midwives feared God and did not do as the king commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Uh, They said, we're not going to listen to the king. Uh, We're going to listen to God. Uh, in verse 21, and it says that it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them and Pharaoh commanded all the people saying. He couldn't get any cooperation from the midwives and so he commissioned all the people at large in the land. Uh, throw the baby boys into the river. Just whenever you find a baby boy, I commission you to get rid of him. But you know, it's interesting in the Bible, as you study through the, the Bible, you find that People have always lived in hard times. We've had a little breath of fresh air in America because our country is not that old and it was founded on Christian principles. 
And of course, we've been blessed because of that. But it seems like we're trying to hang on to America. It seems like we're trying to reach out there and save the country. And in, in reality, I guess we are. Uh, but in every situation, people have to live. They have to, they have to have homes. They have to have children, and not be afraid to have a home or children. And I know that many people look around in our world and say today, boy, it was great for you because you raised your kids when life was simpler. Well, you know that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. God expects us to raise our kids whether life is simple or whether life is tough. And so in chapter 2 of Exodus, we find that story uh, continues. There was a man of the house of Levi. He went and took a wife of the daughter of Levi. And she conceived and bore a son. I'm sure that when the mother and father of Moses found out that uh, they were going to have a child, I'm sure they prayed for a girl. Why wouldn't they? Because they knew that if they had a boy, the death sentence was over their family. But uh, God had another plan. He gave them a boy, and I'm sure that when the midwives came to, give, to help give birth to the baby boy, they were struck with fear. That was before sonogram and all of those grams that we have today. They were struck with fear. Uh, they didn't know what to do, and so, you know, they hid the child for three months. And then they built that little ark, remember? And they put that ark down in the river. And this story amazes me to this day. It's like, whoa, this is really incredible. They put this ark down in the river. And Moses' sister kind of accompanied it along the river. And lo and behold, the daughter of Pharaoh came out to the river. And as this little ark was going down the river, uh, someone said an angel came and pinched the baby. And the baby began to cry. And no woman can resist a crying baby, can they? Well, I guess they could after a while. But I mean, initially, you know, when you hear the baby cry, it's just a woman's instinct to go get that baby and love that baby. And the man of the house says, listen, stop that baby from crying. He's got no compassion at all. Mothers try to comfort the baby. And so the Lord knew that Pharaoh's daughter would try to comfort the baby and Saw that baby and she had compassion on that baby. And, and uh, then there was this tremendous idea. Uh, favorite Moses' sister said, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child? He said, I just know the person you need. And uh, it was Moses' mother. What a, an arrangement, huh? Here this little boy goes from someone with a death sentence hanging over his head now to going to be raised in the court of Pharaoh by his mother. And you can't get any better than that. God miraculously preserved this little boy uh, through the prayers of his parents. The point of my message today is this. It's in Galatians 6.9. Let's read that together here off the board, okay? So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up. For we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Mothers, don't get tired of doing what is right to do. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Because the Bible here has a promise that if we continue faithfully, we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Now, I don't know when that is. That time is in God's time. But mothers, you are the key. You really are. 
A teacher gave her class of second graders a lesson on the magnet and what it does. The next day, she gave a written test. She included this question. My full name has six letters. The first one is M. Uh, what am I? I pick up things. When the test papers were turned in, the teacher was astonished to find that almost 50% of the students answered the question with the word mother. She picks up things. They forgot about the magnet. A teacher asked a boy this question. Suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you, your parents and five children. What part of the pie would you get? Little boy said a sixth. I'm afraid, she said, you don't know your fractions. And the teacher's... uh, The teacher said that, remember, there are seven of you. Yes, teacher, said the boy, but you don't know my mother. My mother would say she didn't want any. You know, many of us were raised in a period of time where our mothers really, really did sacrifice, uh, even more than mothers do today. Uh, They had very little to work with. They had very little money. It's amazing how they could even put some food on the table. But by the grace of God, they did that. Some of them worked two jobs. Uh, There is nothing on earth as great as a mother's love. You know, when we look at each other, we have to realize that we're we're the product of many people's investments in our lives. And oftentimes we don't think of that. You know, we just think, well, you know, I go home, my mother feeds me, I live in that house. Uh, But uh, we don't realize the tremendous impact our parents are having upon us. Uh, The book of Exodus here opens on a low note. Uh, There were lots of villains, villains in this story. Pharaoh is one, the people... Uh, They were victimized by Pharaoh. Uh, They were to take these babies and put them in the Nile River. But I love the story of the heroes, the midwives. They believed in a higher law. Mothers, I want to encourage you today to believe in a higher law. Uh, The same law that God's people have always believed in. Remember last week, if you were here last week, Peter and John were told to stop preaching. And they said to the authorities, "Uh, what do you mean stop preaching? Who are we supposed to obey, you or the Lord? That's almost like a no-brainer. Now, the Bible does teach that we are to obey the laws of the land. But sometimes the laws of the land conflict with the laws of God. And so whenever that conflicting takes place, we are supposed to come out on God's side. And so these midwives decided that they would obey the law of God because our God is a God of life, not death, of life. God made life. He reveres life. He cherishes life. He is pro-life, our God. Every life is precious to God. And he is the author of human life. The most basic of human life rights is the right to life. You know, in our society, we debate, uh, we debate uh, civil rights, all sorts of different kinds of rights. Listen, there is no such thing as civil rights or voting rights if you don't have the right to life. Every other right is predicated on the right to life. God in heaven is pro-life. That's why this is such a big issue in our country. And so here we find these midwives, they said, listen, we're pro-life too. We're just trying to follow what God wants us to do. He cherishes life. The parents of Moses were, uh, uh, were heroes. 
Because in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, if you look there, Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Again, whenever God's commandment said one thing, they weren't afraid to disobey the, the command that Pharaoh was putting out. Uh, they didn't fear the king's commandment. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 28. I, I find it very interesting. Let's read it, okay? And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, listen, you don't, as a believer, a follower of me, you don't have to fear anybody. They can only take your body. They can only terminate your existence on earth. Don't be afraid of that. He says, the person you need to fear is God. Because God is able to destroy your soul and your body. And so, in the Bible, we find here a good illustration that Moses, his parents, they feared God, not man. Because they knew that only the man could only take their body away, not their soul. And so they decided that it was a, it was a healthy thing to fear God. The scripture says in Psalm 36, 1, of the people at large in the world, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Uh, it is a good thing to fear God. Moses grew up in the home, as you know, of Pharaoh. He, he was born, uh, so to speak, with a silver spoon. And he came, though, to a fork in his life. And, you know, everybody has to come to a fork, a fork in the road where they decide, listen, am I going to live this kind of life or am I going to live this kind of life? Am I going to live the kind of life the world offers or am I going to kind of live the, the life that God offers me? That's a fork in the road. Now, I know Yogi Berra says when you come to a fork in the road, take it. His advice is not always that good. Whenever we come to a fork in the road, we're supposed to take the fork that God wants us to take. And so that's exactly what Moses did. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, the Bible says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. All sorts of repercussions began to happen. He said no to all the gods of Egypt. Now, I cannot help but think that whenever his mother was raising him in the, the home of Pharaoh, she was teaching him the first commandment. Moses, the Bible says you shall have no other gods before you. Only one God. And I'm sure that if Moses grew up, all, this, all of these various different gods were being promoted in Egypt. And he was thinking, I've got to make a stand. If I believe that there is just one true Jehovah God, I've got to make a stand. I've got to come out and be a person of my inner convictions. He said no to royalty. You know, that was really hard to do. He had to turn in all his credit cards, his keys to the latest... Model of Camel Mobile. I mean, that was really tough. He, you know, he lived in the lap of luxury. And so he had to turn all that stuff in. He said that he, he went in. And, and I'm sure that his advisor says, Moses, you are having a nervous breakdown. You are crazy. What are you doing? Are you telling me that you are giving up a life that the world would give anything to have and you are going over to live with 
and be a part of this slave community, the nation of Israel. Moses says, yes, that's what I'm doing. Uh, look at verse number 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. You know, I'm sure that uh, Moses knew well what the passing pleasures of sin was. The Bible here says sin is pleasurable. You know, we, uh, we go out and we say, why are people doing these things? Why are people living in sin? I'll tell you, they're having a good time for a while. The Bible says that those pleasures are only temporary. There are many people in jail today. There are many people serving long sentences that just thought they would go and they would be the ones that wouldn't get burned playing with fire. Uh, when you play with fire, you get what? You get burned, right? And so he says, listen, I'm giving up these pleasures of sin. I'm, I'm, I'm getting on God's side. And then he said yes to affliction. Now, this is interesting right here. Because he knew when he make, made this decision, he was going to be persecuted. He was going to suffer. Uh, I, I say to you today, if you make a decision to walk with God, uh, you're going to have to suffer somewhere along the line. You're going to be persecuted. People are going to talk behind your back and say you've lost your mind. Uh, you become one of those, quote, Jesus people, followers of Jesus. You just need God for a crutch in your life. Uh, and yet you'll suffer some rejection. I remember one person came to church and they said, my friends are all leaving me because I became a Christian. Um, sometimes that's the way it works. But I'll tell you, it's much better to be a friend of God than a friend of anyone else on earth. Because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When everybody else will forsake you, he'll always be there for you. Um, yes, he said yes to living a life for God on purpose. He just didn't make a decision and, and then stop in his tracks. Uh, we have a man in our church. Uh, he's a wonderful guy. He told me about 35 years ago this. He said, you know, before I became a Christian, I served the devil with all my might. Some of you are sitting here and say, that's me. Me. I served the devil with all my energy. I gave everything I had to the cause of Satan. And he says, now that I've become a Christian, I'm going to give everything I have now with all my energy to Christ. I'm just not giving up the old life. I'm taking on a new life. And I'm going to serve Jesus every bit as much and as aggressive as I serve the devil. And I have news for you today. I, I want to tell you that man has done it for the last 35 years. He kept his commitment. He just didn't say, I'm going to give up that old life because it'll destroy my family or because it'll destroy me. He says, there is a much better life out there and it's a life of the Lord. And that's the life I'm going to take on in my life. And I'm going to serve with all my heart and my soul. Well, he said no to the old life because he knew that there was a reward in the future. He looked forward to the reward. You know, Payday for a Christian doesn't come on Friday. Whenever we stand before the Lord to hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. That's going to be a pretty good day, isn't it? Uh, and so, whenever Moses turned in his credit cards and his keys, uh, it looked like he was being demoted. But you know what he was doing? He was going to save a nation. He had a mission God was going to use him to save the nation of Israel. He was the answer to his mother's prayers. 
How many mothers in Israel were praying for someone to raise up a savior to deliver the nation of Israel from slavery? Maybe Moses' mother was one of those and God says, okay, I'll give you this little baby and you teach him, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And she did and God answered her prayer. Where did Moses get his faith? He got his faith from his mother and his dad. Years later, the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament these words. He said, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. He's speaking to Timothy. I am persuaded it now lives in you also. Uh, that's how we get faith. Faith is passed down in our family. I got my faith from my mother. I hope I don't wear you out on that, but I can't help it. She's 97.7. You know, when you get up in that age, the points count a lot. You know that? You just, you know, you just like, this is incremental now. 97.7. I got my faith from my mother. And you know where she got her faith? Her mother. Her mother and her dad. My grandfather, Harry Brown, started out in the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad shoveling coal in steam engines. As the steam engine would go down the track, he would shovel coal into the boiler to make it run. Through the course of 50 years, he was promoted to the highest position on the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad to be the engineer of the Columbian, uh, the best passenger train that the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad had. He went from the very lowest job to the very highest job. But the thing that I remember about my grandfather is that when I used to go to his house in Connellsville, he would be outside in the yard picking up the leaves, singing the old songs of the church. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I come to the garden alone while the dew was still on the roses. And he walked with me and talked with me. And he had such a living, vital relationship with God. My mother got her faith from her father and her mother. And now Joanne and I are doing our best to pass it down to our children and our grandchildren. That's how faith is spread. Mothers, I want to encourage you. might say, well, you know, I don't have a story like that. My mother wasn't like that. Or my grandmother wasn't like that. But you know, it, it can begin with you. That's the cool thing. It can begin with you. Because that's what God wants to do in your home. Because God is preparing us for eternity. He's getting us ready to live in eternity with Him. And mothers, you have so much impact. I pulled a picture off the Internet of a kid. Look at this kid. Doesn't he just look like he's ready to get into something real big? Some of you have may have seen this on the Internet. It's entitled, When You Thought I Wasn't Looking. Now get ready. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator. And I immediately wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat, and I learned that it was good to be kind to animals. 
When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me. And I learned that little things can be special things in life. When I thought, when you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer. And I knew that there is a God I could always talk to and I learned to trust in Him. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick. And I learned that we all have to help and take care of each other. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you give of your time and money to help people who had nothing. And I learned that those who have something should give to those who don't. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you take care of our house and everyone in it. And I learned we have to take care of what we've been given. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw how you handled your responsibilities. Even when you didn't feel good. And I learned that I would have to be responsible when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes. And I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. When you thought it, I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared and I wanted to be everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I learned most of life's lessons that I need to know to be a good and productive person when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked at you and wanted to say thanks for all the things I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. Mothers, you have an incredible responsibility. Your kids are watching you. They really are. And sometimes you're saying, you know, they're not getting it all. And you don't think they're watching. They're seeing you. They're seeing your actions. And they're learning how to be the person that you're teaching them to be. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, I want to encourage especially the mothers of our church. I want to encourage you to take your stand by faith in God. And uh, be the mother that God wants you to be, because you can never lose when you do that. Uh, there's, uh, you can never lose. It's, it's a win situation. Because that little precious life or lives of kids that you have in your home, they're watching you. And they're learning from you the things of God, the things that are important in life. And when they see you excited about God, it places faith in their heart. That they too, one of these days, can be excited like you about God. And so, mothers, I'd like to ask you today to have a time of rededication. If you've been uh, just overwhelmed with the issues and the problems of life, and you haven't really been thinking about how strategic uh, your position is, I, I hope you've gotten some little glimpse of it today. And you could say to the Lord, Lord, use me to be the mother that you want me to be, because... Maybe you're raising a son or a daughter in my home that will save a nation. Dear Lord, we thank you for this great day which you've given to us. We pray now that as we come to the conclusion of the service, that you will pour down your blessings upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing to the Lord. As we sing to the Lord, if you'd like to pray at the altar, just feel free to come forward and pray.